This is the podcast, not an interview. This is a conversation. No gimmicks, just reasons. 84 reasons. Come holler at me. What up, my good people? I am Ben Troop on the road, as I always am. But, you know, enjoying enjoy the festivities, as always. Unless you live under a rock. There was a documentary series on Netflix right now called Swamp Kings. If you don't know now, you know about the 2006-2009 Florida Gators. If you're not a Gator, it don't matter anyway. Don't get mad at us. That's when Gator was in his glory years. My next guest, oh, my God. I don't even know how to how to even introduce him the right way. Rep, listen, repping them tight ends, representing that number 84. This is the 84 Club. I know this is 84 Regions, no games, no games, but this is the 84 Club. Today, my next guest, Tate Murder. what's the case? Casey, what's going on, TKs? case? Not much, man. You been all right? Man, I can't complain, man. I mean, it's always good to, you know, uh, chop it up with you and run, uh, you know, talk about some things. But, man, when y'all was at Florida case, I got to go ahead and say this. You know how many people ask me, now mind you, me and Case, we wore the same, just played in the same place, wore the same number. They used to be like, true, but you, I got so sick. I mean, you are you related to Casey? At this point, I'm like, mm. at first, I'm like, no, we don't look nothing. Then, at the first, then finally, I said, hell yeah, that's my boy, that's my cousin. And then people, and then people wanted to question it. I'm like, no, that's my cousin. And then what happens is, they said, dude, he is the inventor of the jump pass. I said, no, he is the receiver of the jump pass. But, 2006, 2000 TKs, man, what what was that atmosphere like in Florida? Because obviously, we all want to do it, but y'all boys, y'all put the whole world on notice. You know, I think the, the funny thing is, and, and we talked about this documentary, and I haven't had a chance to see how it comes across yet. I'm kind of anxiously waiting until tonight when I get a chance to, to sit down and kind of shut my phone off, turn my, you know, turn the locks on, sit in the bedroom and watch it. But, you know, I think that the biggest thing for us was we wanted to convey to people the mindset of that team, right? The, the hard work and the effort that went into that and what Urban Meyer tried to do uh, that was different from when we first got there, or at least myself. And when guys came in, how he approached the program, how we approached it as, as uh, guys that bought in. And the, the big thing for us was paying off for the championship. That was our whole deal. You know, it, it was championship or bust. And I think that that's even really in 05 because we had a chance in 05 to go to the SC title game and, and, you know, as you see, we didn't capitalize on that, but there's a lot that goes into it. There was a lot of dynamic and a lot of change in the program at the time, but the mindset is really the key to everything. And um, it started with mat drills and winter workouts and summer workouts and going into two days and just, you know, the leadership change on the team and guys like, you know, Tebow coming in, Siler, you know, all these guys that were involved so heavily in our team invested really that, that changed the mindset and set that bar. The voice you listen to right now is Tate Casey, won two national championships from 06 to 09 with them Florida Gators. But speaking of the Florida Gators, there was an NRL platform called Florida Victorious. Make sure you go to Florida Victorious, type in 84 Reasons in, into the uh, to where, you know, to, to get 20% off your first month. We always talk about supporting these athletes. We are former athletes. No, we are not hating on them. We just want to make sure you support them. Go to Florida Victorious, type in 84 Reasons in the coupon code to get 20% off your first month's membership. Now let's get back to the episode. TK's look, man, people people always say, man, when you play for the Dallas Cowboys, right, you feel like a rock star 
in the city of Dallas. Man, what was Gainesville like? Like, I get, because I, you guys, it was so many personalities. Started with Urban Meyer. You talk about yourself, Tebow, Percy, the Pouncey Twins. What was Gainesville like when it's one thing to expect to win? Y'all, y'all didn't lose that much, man. No, we didn't. And, you know, we lived it up. I think that they, the other thing we'll dive into in this, you know, documentary is just the, the differences between those 06 and 08 teams, right? When you look at 06, that was a blue-collar, really chip-on-the-shoulder type of team. You know, I had a defense that was too deep, about as good as anybody in the country. The offense was trying to find their way. You know, when Urban come in, we didn't know what the offense was going to look like. We knew it was going to be a spread offense. And for guys like me, it was like, okay, is this like something where I'm going to have to go somewhere else? Or is this something where I'm just going to keep vested, keep putting my work in, and, and hopefully get reciprocated on the opposite side with, with plays and a new scheme? And you started to see some changes in, in Urban's philosophy and his offense, right? Went from a spread offense completely to injecting a lot more tight end, a lot more fullback, a lot more almost that hybrid H-back role um, that you saw between, you know, Cornelius Inger, myself, um, and Aaron Hernandez, and then it kind of evolved from there. Um, and so it, it's just one of those things. I, I think the best part about it for, for guys like us is just to, to look back and go, man, it, it kind of notices what exactly we accomplished. Because when you go through, and I tell guys this in college at UF all the time, is to go through four years and put the work that we put in and leave without anything as a reward, right? Other than a helmet and a, you know, a framed jersey on the wall. It's a travesty. It's something that you should never. The mindset should be, "I'm here to win a championship." That's what we did. The mindset was across the board, winning a championship and trying to go to the NFL. I think for every starter, there was no difference in mindset, and we were never out of a game. I mean, it was just such an ironclad mindset. You couldn't really shake us. And I think the mental toughness aspect is what you know molded us in the right way uh, to towards the championship drive. And I have been blessed enough to have Dallas Baker on, talk to Lewis Murphy, talk to Steve Harris. Every last one of those guys said Urban Meyer was a guy to where his tactics were different, effective, but very, very different when you think about what am I trying to get these guys to understand? What would, I mean, you know, what is your breakdown of a guy like Urban Meyer? Because obviously from the outside looking in, you like him, hate him, love him. But talk about his, his methodology and getting you guys all on the same page. Yeah, I, I think Urban's, Urban's principle was – when he came in, the team was here. He needed about 22 to 30 guys right here, like as close as they could be, right? You give me 22 to 30 guys, we'll go win a championship. And, the, the you know, looking back on it, things we didn't understand at 18 to 22 that you understand now, right? There's not a whole hell of a lot of things in this world that you can work that hard and come out with the reward of a national championship, right? After football, a lot of guys, that's what got us up in the morning. Right. A lot of guys now you're working a day job, you're just trying to make money, trying to make the mortgage payment, you're raising families. That is like those those things where now you look back at it and go, man, I'm damn, I'm damn glad I had a coach that did that that way. Right. Because the mindset that it prepared you for in the real world is you you can attack anything. Right. Like I can go out and I'm gonna go set my mind on something, I'm gonna do it. And that was kind of like the discipline thing that, that was subtly injected in there between him and Mick Marotti that drove a lot of us. Um, I'd say for those 25, 30 guys that he did pull together and, and really set the bar and the leadership levels. I mean, he talked about Brandon Seiler, but for every Brandon Seiler, there's, you know, six or seven other guys that probably don't get the recognition. And, and you've been on a team before, right? You know, leadership is never just those one or two guys that are the captains. 
there's always those those veteran guys that also reinforce it. And we had a great internal policing of the team. You know, I think the veterans did a hell of a job in 06. That, that grit, that mindset and everything else did a great job of pulling those guys up around us and, and pretty much setting the tone saying, hey, if you're coming here, this is the way it's going to be. If, and if you're not with that, get your ass down the road, go to, you know, wherever you want to go that's, that's easier or maybe it's not like that. But that is how it is here. And if you want to be a part of that, man, come on, because we need you. I mean, Case, I mean, the thing about it that that uh, that, uh, that I used to see from you is people here in leadership, they think it's got to be the quarterback. It's got to be T-Ball. It's got to be Chris Leak, right? It's got to be them. And that's a part of it. That's a part of it. But it seemed like Urban made sure every last one of y'all knew, hey, man, hey, I tell you, your, your role ain't like Cornelius. Cornelius, your role ain't like, you know, Aaron Hernandez. But I, they can Y'all didn't intertwine with each other as far as like saying what one person did, another person didn't have to do. Talk about having your own individual with so many stars, man. People think, oh, is anybody jealous of Tebow? No. Is anybody jealous of Chris? No. Because they are one of 11. They're not the one. Talk about having your own role with such a star-studded squad. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of one thing that makes it special, right? When you talk about camaraderie of, of teamwork and friendships and how hard we watch each other work in the offseason – you know, it wasn't really one of those things out of spite. You know, there, there's plenty of opportunities to be spiteful, you know, in, in your college career, depending on whether the cards are laid in your favor or you're kind of climbing an uphill battle. You know, I think for me personally, it was you look around the locker room and, and you get guys like Dallas Baker and Jamel Cornelius and you got all these wide receivers that are, you know, 4-4, sub-4-4 talent and tight ends. I mean, we had seven tight ends on the roster when I came in. Um, and And – you know, we had some Juco guys. We had some guys that have been there with David Kenner and, and really good, really good people. They taught you the way of, you know, how to a certain way and the mindset that, that is, you know, maybe that's a little bit immature. Maybe this is how you should act. And then you kind of carry that into Urban's philosophy and, and how he, you know, hammered everything home. And you're right, man. He made you feel like if, if you weren't giving him enough, he'll let you know about it. And he will definitely treat you better if you're giving him everything you got. I think the biggest thing most people saw was, man, coach didn't say hi to me this morning. Like, okay, I'm going to go work harder. Like, I'm going to make him notice me. I want to be one of those guys. And I think it alludes to it in the documentary pretty well from what I hear that, you know, call it preferential treatment, call it whatever you want. That was his way of doing it. And, and for us that bought in, I didn't have a problem with it at all. You know, I thought it picked up everybody in that locker room. And I think it has a lot to do with why we were able to win you know, the amount of games we work. When I think about teams, right, there are certain teams that they stand out and we have certain teams that we grew up watching certain players. You talk about 30 for 30, you talk about football life. Netflix came in and said, look, man, this 2006 to 2009 era of Florida was crazy. What is it like hearing that, man, the whole world, because it's one, yes, I'm biased, went to Florida, I get it. But the way we used to talk about y'all is what Netflix saw. Because you get everybody think their era was the best era. I don't think my era was the best era. I just, I'm just happy to have an era at all. But not a whole world get to see y'all, TKs. Not a whole world get to say, hey, man, Netflix got some of the best programming when you're trying to sort with all the different streaming networks. To know that what your wife knows or your children probably wasn't born in. Now they get to say, daddy, you wasn't lying. I told, I can't even exaggerate how incredible this squad was. 
What is it like knowing that, that that's the kind of stuff that live on forever, man, to know that you're a part of something that somebody said, hey, I want to interview certain guys, sit down with them. Because I don't, because they say it's a series here. It might be the start of a, a docu series that go on and on. They start breaking down individual, uh, you know, personalities. But to know that Netflix saw enough of y'all to say, dude, we want to document y'all. That's got to do something to you to know that. All right, it's one thing for me to be biased because I played there, did my to have my success there. But now they they said the world needs to know about these boys. Well, I, I will say that the one thing that I've noticed from college to now, and then after doing this is. Not everybody prepares the same way. Not everybody approaches things the same way with the same mindset. And, you know, I think maybe because we're used to that, right? And, and maybe because just the way that we put so much into the preparation, so much into every single workout, every single day, every single hour. Um, for me, it's rewarding because, you know, Irvin used to always talk about, like, we're going to make this a place where you bring your kids back here 20 years from now, and you're going to point up to the, to the rafters and say, I hung that banner. Right. I hung. And, and honestly, luckily for me, and I've got to say this, I mean, I'm lucky to be a part of the second one. Right. Because the first one was within my tenure. I was supposed to graduate in 07. I ended up getting hurt and coming back and fortunate enough to stick around for the second one. So it, that's not lost on me um, to be a part of, you know, something that only a handful of guys have ever been able to do at the University of Florida, at least. And that's two national titles in football, which is already one of the hardest things to ever do. And the best part about it for me is just really feeling that, right? Because I guarantee you, I'm going to sit there and get chills watching this every episode. They could have done 10 episodes. I mean, with the content that they had, the interviews they had, you easily make this something that's drawn out and go in-depth into every single game because there's so many storylines in every single matchup. But it, it, it's just one of those things. It is rewarding. I, I think it would be great. My kids are now a little bit older, older where they can watch that and actually appreciate it you know, and get an understanding. I don't think they'll fully grasp how hard we worked. You know, it's a, it'll be like a cool, cool factor for them. But to me, for the fans to be able to get a sneak peek behind the scenes, as opposed to just the bias of what they got from media and newspaper headlines and maybe ESPN and certain things in the program that weren't great highlights, right? This is one of those things that, that it truly does highlight exactly what that team was about when the whistle was blown, when the helmets were on and the pads were on. TK, so your, your kids get to watch it, your family get to watch it. People always talk about greatness. People always talk about having legendary moments. Y'all had a legendary squad twice. Like, most people can have a year. Like, okay, it was an outlier year. They just had an incredible squad. But to do it with the same dude who said, all right, and I can say this. People going to say, oh, well, the 06 team, a lot of those boys got recruited by Zook. Cool, cool. I mean, Dallas Baker was there with me. I mean, you talk about, uh, you know, Chris Leak and company. But those guys still had to buy into what Urban was selling because Urban, Urban is just, I say this, the best coaches are the craziest coaches. They're not crazy from, a, they, you know, they sick and demented. They just got methods that they go, if y'all buy in, that that 12 o'clock at night stuff y'all used to do with the coming in and the uh, uh, whatever it was, I got the mask on. I, I don't even want to know everything he did. But with everything he did and the fact that it worked, because I, I get a case when you're going through it, you're saying, dude, I'm going I'm to knock this dude the hell out. It's something wrong. I'm going to do it for the squad. But what was the buy-in moment for you? Because you were a guy, like you said, I have been here a little while. I know what it is. What was it about Urban Meyer that made Tay Casey say, all right, dude, I can trust you. 
and it helps you not just become the player you became, but helps you be a part of a squad that now, man, y'all boys, y'all now y'all love for who's where every time they have the greatest team conversation. Oh, y'all come up every time, every single time. And we got two different teams to choose from. Yeah, I think for me was probably the, the, the initial meeting with, with Urban and he did these rounds of individual interviews or meetings, whatever you want to call it. And it was pretty much pretty basic. Hey, do you want to win? Right? Do you want to win a championship? Like, are you here to win or are you here to just be a college football player and go on? And because he didn't want, he didn't want guys just want to play college football, right? If that's what you're about, that, that's not what his goal was. His big thing was tell me you want to win. Do you want to win? Yeah, absolutely. Right. All right. Here's what it takes. Now, having said that, what are you willing to do? And I think for me, it was I was all about the process, right? Even even under Zook, freshman year, right? I came in in a, in a really unique scenario, right? I came in at probably 205 pounds soaking wet, and, and Ron Zook looked at me like, dude, what the hell have you been doing all summer? <laughs> Coming off a baseball troop, thought I was going to go pro and, and do that. Yeah. Come back to college, you know, 10 years later if it didn't work out and, you know, made that decision. But for me as a freshman – I was a pass catching tight end, right? Like that, was, that was my job. I, I may have had a handful of backside blocking plays and, and certain things on backside cutoffs, but my goal was Dwayne Dixon told me, hey, third down, boom. Coach, dude. Take that switch, right? And I think game five, when I took a start job, I started to realize, like, the, the process is where it was. Like, for me, like, you don't get any reward without that process. And I think for me, seeing how Mick Marotti and Matt Bayless and, and Urban Meyer, everything they brought to the table – with how they were going to run the show and the process that goes and goes into it. It was like, okay, you, I can look around the locker room and tell you exactly what kind of talent we got. Right. Like I, there's no doubt that Ron Zook and Larry Fedora and, and all those, they had a ton of talent in that locker room. Our biggest problem was not really between, you know, the lines as much as it was off the field sometimes and just, you know, uh, an unfortunate set of events that, that ousted Ron Zook. But I think for us, it was going to class right? Doing all the small things right, realizing how that ties into winning football games. And a lot of guys will sit there and tell you that it doesn't. And, you know, after going through it, I'll tell you, you're absolutely wrong, you know? And, and that was the buy-in that, that it gave me the, the idea. It's like, you know what? Like, this is where I want to be. I know we're going to win championships if we do all these things right. And this is the right mindset. And you mentioned Chris Lee. Hey, unfortunately for, for Chris, he had be followed up by a guy like Tim Tebow, Right, it just happens to be the greatest college football quarterback in history. I, I say it all the time, and I'll say it now. Chris does not get his due. Um, and, and for what Chris was able to help do in molding Tim of being a student of the game as a quarterback, right? Chris Leak was one of those guys that was, that was always on time. He was running secondary drills with his wide receivers when it, when it wasn't called for, right? Let's go throw. Let's go get our timing down. It was kind of one of those grow-up moments for Tim who probably saw a really high-level high school side of things and then got to college and see a guy like Chris Lee and go, hey, I've got I've to do that, right? This, guy is a, this guy's a quarterback who's been around for a little bit. He's been successful in a college, you know, scope. And Urban and them probably pressing Tim, hey, you need to watch that. You guys got to be doing this. And we were fortunate to have two really good quarterbacks. And, and I mean off the field, on the field, students, how they treated people. Chris Lee's a great human being, great person, right? He was a great teammate. Tim Tebow about as solid as they get. I don't know if I'll ever meet another person as good as him, right, as a human being. And, it, it, you know, that doesn't even have to be discussed. It's just two guys who they wanted it that bad. They bought in. They set that bar and everybody else lived up to it. 
Tay Casey, Denise Zangro, Aaron Hernandez, Lewis Murphy, Percy Harvin, Dallas Baker, the Pouncy Twins. I mean, you got Brandon Spikes. You got the Eraser, Reggie Nelson. You got Joe Hayden. Most of the time, <clears throat> when you got that much talent, that's a lot of that's a lot of alpha male energy. Walk. That's a lot. But for every last one of those dudes to say, yo, 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 yo listen, we could be known as a team that could have done it. Or we could be known as a team that did it and did it our way. Because when I saw y'all, man, at a certain point, I used to go, look, man, I used to look at y'all like this. If y'all were a sprinter, right? If it's a four by one, I go, if they get the baton first, it's over. But they can catch anybody. I don't care if, if you get it to them. Because y'all had this knack of y'all used to bludgeon people. Like it wasn't this, hey, man, call the dogs off. Nope. If we can score 100, we're going to score 100. The best thing, the best with so many memories, when Urban kept calling them timeouts against <laughs> Jordan, to me, right, to me, what I loved about it was this. That's what a, that's what a player want a coach to do. Hey, bro, you remember we got – and who slapped him on the butt when he did it? Cam oh. Newton. Cam Newton. Right? Okay. And to me, I, I, the thing about this, two national championships in three years, and Cam Newton was the third guy. Cam yeah. Newton was the third guy. Now, it's always what could have been, had everything. Not, but to me, what I love the most about y'all TKs was I, I heard about practice. I heard about how crazy it used to be. You could tell y'all boys loved each other on Saturday. You could, you could see it. There, there's some things as football players you cannot fake. You cannot make us like each other. You show us, hey, I can't make us, you know, like do things with each other. But it's almost like Urban said, if I can make them work in practice, love each other away from the field, come Saturday, it's a wrap. Yeah. Unless something just crazy happens. Yeah, 100%. And, and the, the best part about it was those teams had their identities. Right? I talked about the 06 team being blue collar. You fast forward to 018, it was swag. Like, that was the show, right? That was, we knew. By 08, we knew how good we were, and we got a taste of, you know, we got punched in the mouth in 07, thought we were really good, and had to turn the corner and, you know, another chapter. And, and we kind of got humbled a little bit in 07. And I think that's why 08 team, we got better that offseason we came out. The 08 team, you couldn't tell us anything on the field. And not coaching perspective, I'm just saying, the outside world, you couldn't bring us down. The, the, the middle wall was already up. Like, nobody could have cracked that. And for us as a team, all we knew is, if we go out and do what we do, it's a wrap. And, you know, you know unfortunately, the, the Ole Miss game that year was one that we'd like to have back. Um, kind of very similar to the Auburn game in 06. We got humbled. But I also think we needed those losses at the time that they happened in order to go accomplish what we did because I think we kind of got a little too caught up in ourselves. Um, but, no, we were, our, we were our own best hype people. You know, like we hyped our team. Is I don't think there was a lot of spite on the team. I don't think you had a lot of individuals that didn't like other guys on the team. Our biggest thing we had was us. And I think th the cool part about that is when you when you look at it now, 20 years later, 15 years later, it makes you miss it even more, right? Like, I mean, you, you hear a lot of NFL guys talk about they miss the camaraderie, miss the locker room, that kind of stuff. Most of the time we're talking about college, right, in those, in those 18 to 23-year-old years, right? You don't hear a lot of NFL guys say, man, I missed the Bills back in, you know, 2000. <laughs> I've heard Brandon Siler come back and talk to us as a team in 08, the Georgia game, talking about, you know, he had played an ASC title game or, or a divisional championship game, and it's not even close to being back in the locker room and seeing this type of atmosphere. 
Yeah, and it's just one of those things. It's SEC football. I think anybody who watches that conference knows what we're about. They understand what Saturdays are about. And, and you know, fortunately for us as, uh, as Florida fans and Florida alumni, that's what we want, right? Like, I don't get bent out of shape because the Gators were 6-7 and seven last year or whatever their record was the prior year, right? I get bent out of shape when the mindset's not there, right? When it's – when. Especially guys from 06 to 08 era, like it, it, it drives us nuts when you see certain small things. And if you could just convey to those players, like it's those real, like minuscule things that matter so much. That's the small piece of the puzzle we got to start climbing back to in order to get back in that contention. That was my conversation with the homie Tay Casey, man. Team 84, tight end you. But if you do nothing else, make sure you check out his Netflix special. Swamp Kings, all four episodes, they said I already been leaked last night. So we are already behind the times. Make sure you check out the Netflix special, Swamp Kings. He was Tay Casey. I am being true. No games, no gimmicks, just reasons. What is the reason? Swamp Kings. Make sure you check it out. And we out of here.